A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And welcome to the Crime Investigation Podcast. And this is the first in this series of specials where we're going to investigate behind the scenes of some of the most interesting jobs in crime. Today, the psychologist speaks as we're joined by Dr. Kerry Nixon to discuss her life as a forensic psychologist. Kerry, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Could you start us off by explaining what exactly a forensic psychologist does? It's quite a broad job and people who are forensic psychologists can work in various settings. The main setting for a lot of forensic psychologists is within the prison service. So they will work and with offenders. So they'll do group work with offenders. They'll do one-to-one work. They'll also work with the staff in the prison. They'll do assessments, so assessments of risk. Um, so it's a, a kind of quite well-rounded job in the prison service. They also work within the NHS, so they can work within mental health teams. Um, They can work in various posts in in the NHS, Um, sometimes within police forces, although that's quite rare to work within the police force directly, but they can consult with with police forces. Uh, You get a lot of forensic psychologists who work in academia, so don't work directly with offenders, but will research offenders within a university setting. And then there's other places like probation, um, victim support services. So a large array of places where you can find forensic psychologists, but with the largest employer usually being the prison service or um, maximum security, medium security hospitals. That's really interesting. Can you remember when you first became intrigued by crime? How old were you? It's actually it's actually quite funny and, and I think probably makes me sound like a little bit strange. But um, I nagged my mum when I was about 10 for her to um, subscribe me to the magazine Murder in Mind, um, which was a magazine, you know, those magazines and you can get them where you can build aeroplanes each week or you can, you know, collect this and that. Well, there was one out uh, in the 80s that was Murder in Mind and each month they would do a different serial killer. And I was fascinated by it. And I was I was about 10 at the time. And she agreed. And I had, and I still got a lot of them now. I've just moved house recently and um, I, I found them all. Um, and I was absolutely just so interested at that young age at what made a baby who was born into the world grow up to become somebody that could do something so horrific and that interest never left me really and 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 then I kind of thought about different jobs um I always wanted to be Kate Aidy so I wanted to go off and be a journalist in like a war-torn country um so I was probably always attracted to kind of the quite uh 
serious jobs. And um, and then, then interestingly, I actually played with. I was I was a drama student and was actually going to. Um, I was spent some time at drama school. I spent some time at Lambda and uh, studied drama. And then decided that wasn't for me and, and went to study psychology because, and again, this is another strange story. I was I was watching the Oprah Winfrey show and it was about what do you want to do, you know, in terms of your career? And they said, think about what you enjoyed doing as a child. And I thought, what did I enjoy doing as a child? And I thought, well, I like talking. And uh, I always got told off for talking. And I was... Uh, absolutely interested in what made people commit crime. So I started a degree in psychology with the aim of uh, specialising within within um, criminal aspects. Can you remember the first crime case that really fascinated you? Um, it was some of the big American cases like Jeffrey Dahmer, um, Ted Bundy. Those were the cases that really interested me. And then when I got into it more, really interesting things like, uh, you know, um, Peter Sutcliffe and Ian Brady and those kind of cases. Um, and, yeah, it's just all of them, really. But I'd say probably Dharma and um, Dennis Nielsen, those cases. Um, and, of course, they're very extreme and they're very rare. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Kerry, we've got a lot of these cases covered on crimeinvestigation.co.uk, which is our official website. We've got tons of articles on there, which I'm sure you've written some of as well. Um, but in regards to you, forensic psychology, your day-to-day job, is there such a thing as an average day? It depends what setting you're in. Um, so a forensic psychologist who's within a prison service, there'll be things that, because it can change depending on what happens. But yeah, there will be a routine of what they're doing. And again, the same as if you're in a hospital. So yes, for many people, there is a regular day. Myself, um, because I've got different roles, uh, not so much. Things can change day by day. And um, it depends what I'm working on. It depends what I'm doing. So I've got, you know, a week that's made up of research with with my job with the university and the police, um, consultancy work, assessments. And yeah, that can that can change quite a bit. But for for most people, there's there's a relative routine and it can change. Of course, it can change because it depends on who you're working with and what's going on in their lives as well. Considering you have to work with so many different people, do you always manage to keep ahead of the stresses and the strains of the job? Um, well, I do. And, and I think it, different people can do different jobs. Um, I, you know, I work with people who work with elderly and social workers that work with elderly uh, children all the time. And, and I struggle with that. I, I would think I take that home more. So for me, I think certain people can just handle different jobs differently. You know, I work a lot with police officers and the things that they see um, is very stressful, but you either can or you can't deal with that. Um, although having said that, there are cases that affect you. I think um, becoming a mum change things slightly. Um, it took me a while to get back um, to where I could be completely detached with work and, and, and home life. And you just get supervised supervision. So um, forensic psychologists, clinical psychologists will have supervision within their workplace, which is incredibly important. The support of colleagues, being able to talk about it um, and being aware. That's one thing that's really important. If you are starting to feel um, stressed or that you're taking things home, being able to be aware that you are struggling and to be able to talk about it. But on the whole, um, I deal with it quite well. Um, I, I have got an ability to be able to 
to turn off from a lot of the things that I do. There's been times when I haven't. There's been particular cases that do get under your skin. Um, and I think that's natural. When you work in this area, there's going to be, if you speak to any police officer, you know, they can go and it's just lots of different jobs and there'll be one job for some reason that's just got under their skin. Um, but it's the support of, mainly it's the support of colleagues and having a good team around you. You mentioned jobs getting under your skin there. For you, what's the most challenging case that you've ever worked on? I would say when I um, I used to work full time with, with the police and um, I was doing a lot of work on domestic abuse and domestic homicides and um, looking through a lot of domestic homicides, ones where there was victims of children was particularly challenging, um, particularly cases where they may involve babies or no matter how experienced you are, no matter what, you know, how good a team you've got around you, that is going to affect anybody. And um, again, that's where you need the support in work. So I would say it's cases that involve children and they're the ones that, that do, will still and do still affect me. Some of the main skills, Kerry, that are desired for your job include no discrimination, non-judgmental approach, Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Which is an ability to establish relationships with offenders. Is it ever challenging to work with people who have committed such serious crimes? Um, it can be challenging um, and you do have to have empathy um, and it's crucial that when you work with somebody, you have to, when you're in that moment of working with them, particularly if you're working in a therapeutic way, that you have to be able to treat them as the person at that time and not what they have done. Um, and that is challenging. And that's the bit that a lot of people can't do. And, and that's the skill that if you want to be a forensic psychologist, you have to have. Um, that's even more important if you're working with somebody who is ill. You know, you, you are there to help them and to deal with uh, their mental health issue um, and not focus on... And, of course, the, the, the crime, their criminal activity is very important and you will have to address that. Within a prison setting, a lot of the treatment work, a lot of the behavioural modification work is focusing on their offending and um, getting them to understand their offending. Um, but it is challenging and every... Every psychologist, every police officer will talk about cases where it's been particularly challenging. For me, um, it was probably the first ever sex offender I spoke to. And interestingly, I still remember that like it was yesterday. And I, it was, it was very, very challenging. Um, probably looking back, he could see that I was very young, inexperienced, naive, and probably played on that. 
and reveled in giving me as much detail as he could to make me uncomfortable. And um, so for that reason, it was challenging. And I probably wasn't able at the time, because of the way that he was talking to me, to separate him from his from his crime. So, yes, there's been challenges and there will be continue to be challenges in the future. I'm sure I'll come across something that will be very hard to deal with. But with experience, you get better at dealing with it. You mentioned challenges and experience at the same time. So with that in mind, can you clear up any other misconceptions that people may have about forensic psychology? I think one of the hard things um, in terms of what when people understand, and it's something I find myself talking about quite a lot, is... I see things, there's there's understanding why somebody has done something and then there's justifying it. And actually, there's a third thing. It's punishment. So there's, there's three separate things. And when I'm asked to comment on a case um, and I talk about potentially their background and the difficult start they had in life sometimes people comment of why are you justifying what you're they're doing and it's not justification at the end of the day when somebody has committed a crime they should be you know dealt with punished or if they're deemed mentally ill treated however understanding that where they got to that point and how they got to that point is crucial so we can then work with future generations so for me the challenge is Helping people understand that by exploring somebody's background and understanding the journey they've been on is not justifying what they've done. It's understanding why. And then when you actually have that person, there's a difference between rehabilitation and punishment. You should be punished for the crime you've committed. But also, if you're going, if that person's going to be released at some point, we have to do some kind of rehabilitation because prison doesn't work in terms of just putting them away and expecting when they come out, they're not going to be a risk of society anymore. So I think those for me and are challenges in terms of helping people understand what it is we do um, because that leads on to an, an area of work that I'm quite heavily involved with at the moment is early intervention so of course it's the other side of, of forensic psychology and it's about working with children who are in situations where if they're left they are potentially going to be future offenders whereas if we can help them early on we can prevent so preventing crime is a real passion of mine um, and it's a real challenge because there's not enough resources put into early intervention um, so yeah that's a that's a particular interest which I think some people probably don't think of when they think of forensic psychology a lot of our followers on Facebook and Twitter have aspirations to have a similar job as you especially to be the exact same role as a forensic psychologist What's the best advice you can give people with dreams of, of reaching that job and, and what are the qualifications required? OK, um, when um, I had students come and ask for advice, so they'd started a psychology um, degree, they were often, even though they'd started a degree, they were often surprised at how much further work they would have to do if they wanted to become a forensic psychologist. So I think it's really important that if anybody's interested in being a forensic psychologist, that they understand before they start a degree what is the long process that they need to go through um, and I'll talk through those steps in a moment also understanding that just because it's a long process to become a forensic psychologist you can still go into the area of crime um, without being a forensic psychologist so you can be a criminologist you can do you can choose a path that doesn't necessarily take as long if you don't want to do that if however you do want to be a forensic psychologist there's three key 
steps. One, you have to do a degree that is registered with the British Psychological Society. And you can get all this information if you go onto the British Psychological Society's website. There's um, clear step-by-step um, process. So it's a, um, a three-year degree in psychology that has to have the graduate basis for registration. That's the important part. Um, secondly, you have to have a master's in psychology, forensic psychology in particular. And again, that has to be registered with the BPS. If it's not registered with the BPS, it won't count as um, the stage two. The third step is what they call stage two, which is the BPS qualification in forensic psychology. And that involves two years supervised practice where you have to go through various steps to have supervised practice in order to become a chartered forensic psychologist. And then you can be registered with something called the HCPC, which stands for the Health and Care Professions Council. And unless you are chartered with the HCPC, you are not a forensic psychologist. So it's a very clear three-step process. The good news is that there are now universities doing doctorates in forensic psychology, which combine the master's in forensic psychology and the supervised practice. Because what was happening is it's very difficult and very expensive because you have to pay for that stage two process. Um, so now that some of these doctorate programs are helping people go through that process a little bit easier. We, there's a demand from forensic psychologists and, and it's very difficult to get into it. Very rewarding once you get through to go through those processes um, but if you don't want to go through those processes as I said um, I can always offer advice on other careers where you will still work in that area of crime you will still be able to help people you can still you could become a therapist you can become you can work with victims um, you can work as a youth worker where you work with um, young offenders there's a whole variety of jobs and um, I'll give some advice that a very wise forensic clinical psychologist once gave me who's still um, my hero really and he said to me when I was about 20 and I'd um, hounded him from some work experience and he said to me if you're really interested in investigating because I was really interested in the whole investigative process he said become a police officer. Well, that's great advice. I know there's a lot of people online who've got a lot more questions for you. What's the best way of contacting you? I suppose Twitter's a good option, right? Yeah, um, yeah. please do contact me through Twitter. It's at Nixon Kerry, uh, capital N, capital K. And yeah, I will always try. I think I always reply to people directly who, who, who Twitter, tweet me. And um, I, if you go onto my Twitter account, you can see that I sometimes get involved in some um, lively debates and challenges. Uh, I love Twitter. Um, I remember when I first went on Twitter about four years ago, and at first I didn't have a clue what I was supposed to do. Now I love it. I read the news on Twitter. Uh, CI's Twitter page is fantastic. And um, yeah, please do contact me through Twitter because it's entertaining, if nothing else. It certainly is. And thank you so much for the uh, CI mention there. Very, very appreciated. And thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you. Well, that concludes this special edition of the Crime Investigation Podcast. And I really hope you enjoyed it. Expect a lot more to come in the upcoming months. And I hope you now know a lot more about forensic psychology. I know I certainly do. If you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe on iTunes and give us a rating there as well. We're also on Twitter, at CI, or on Facebook, which is at CIUK. Just search for us on both and come and say hello. But for now, this edition of the Crime Investigation Podcast is over. Until next time, 
Stay curious. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.